listening to episode 15 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I am Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Friday the 13th! Ooh. Very excited. <laughs> not really. I don't really, I don't really care, but... Yeah, and I'm not leaving it, the It is what today, it is. So. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot that happens between <laughs> the last time we recorded and today. Yeah, New York Comic Con was the yeah. big thing. Yes, so I guess let's we're we're gonna kind of skip news this time and just go straight in because we have a lot to cover in this podcast today. So um, we were both at New York Comic Con. We were working out for Sci Fi Wire. It was a lot. It was a (laughs) lot. It was the first time we both have actually like I we both have gone as media multiple and as press multiple times and covered like aspects of the con, but never like this was kind of like we were working the con for an organization. So there was less autonomy, but it actually worked better for me this time because there's inevitably a time at New York Comic Con where I'm just like wandering the show floor. I have nothing to do. And I'm like, why am I even here? Yeah, it was structured, which was nice. Yeah, had like key goals every day. This was the first time that it was, like, we went with an organization that assigned pieces versus yeah. go and see if there's anything you want to write about. And like, there York, was still I feel like that. Comic-Con is always so big that you never find anything to write about. Because there's too much going on, and it's too overwhelming. So I yeah. liked this structure, personally. Yes, yeah, same. And so we both had a lot of fun and covered a lot of really cool stuff. Um so tell them about some of your stuff, and then I'll tell them about some of mine. So I covered my very first on-camera interview, which was very nerve-wracking. Um, I interviewed Jacob Batalon from Spider-Man Homecoming. So listeners he played will... Ned. <laughs> yes. yes, he played Ned Leeds, and listeners will know that I was freaking out when I got this assignment because I am a huge Spider-Man nerd. Um... Now, if you haven't seen this video, the uh, we'll link it in the show notes, but the... Um... The uh, interview is up on Sci-Fi Wire, and it is so good. So I, it's so good. <laughs> I can't watch it because I'm too embarrassed. But it's like it was cool. He was so nice. It was. I had to get. I was at Comic Con at like eight thirty in the morning. Like had to get makeup done and go. That's with the too crew. early to be at Comic Con. It was very early, um, but it was fun. It was like seven minutes. There was this like. If you watch the video, you'll notice there's a man dressed as Spider-Man just standing behind me in, like, the weirdest way. Uh, So many people were like, I thought he was, like, a statue until he started moving. Yeah, he was supposed to, like, pop in through the window or something, but instead just stood behind me the whole time. And I could, like, feel him standing behind me, and it was just so (laughs) weird. so weird but the interview was cool jacob was so so nice and hopefully we have more um but yeah that's up on sci-fi wire and i think that was like the big thing i did there were other things i covered but that was a big thing um also peter parker's finally gonna lose his millions which i'm super excited about in In the comics in the comics so he can go back to being like broke as hell my favorite kind of, like, doesn't have a shit together, Peter. It's going to be great. I think that's the big stuff for me. Yeah, I had some, I had some interesting, I had some interesting experiences myself. I cried at this Comic-Con so many times, (laughs) so many times, because I got the opportunity to cover the Star Trek Discovery panel, which was amazing. I was in, like, the third row for the panel, um, and which was 
incredible. But then I got to do a press room with the cast, which was, you know, there were maybe 20 of us in the room. Ah. I got to meet, I got to, I got to meet Anthony Rapp, which was amazing. And he remembered me and I, I was so overwhelmed. Like I was like, I feel like I behaved professionally, but I was so emotionally overwhelmed so many times because of that, like because of Star Trek and because of Discovery and the opportunities I got. And it was it was amazing. It was like once in a life. I feel like that was like a once in a lifetime thing. It was a really cool con in that respect. And, you you know, we both write for the sci-fi fangirls, which, you know, lets us work on the things that we like to work on in addition to, you know, covering in general. But, like, very specific to being like, I know you're interested in this. Please do this. Yeah. And I also got to sit on the panel of the Orville, Mm -hmm. which um, last episode I think I was just very guarded about it and was like, eh, I'm enjoying it. I don't know. And this I'll honestly say, like, flat out, I like this show a lot. I think it's really good. It has a lot of issues, of course. But it's really good. It's actually genuinely fun sci-fi. And so I am now recommending it, not wholeheartedly, because there's always a disclaimer with any type of media. But I like it. I think it's good. I've been and the cast was good really good. Yeah, and the cast has really good chemistry, and you can tell they really enjoy each other's company. Um, and it's... Um, it, like you can they, they're all friends you can tell and they and that comes through on screen as well so um but yeah that was my big NYCC news I don't feel like we had a bunch of there's a bunch of there wasn't that much news that came out of it I feel like no um I'm like well what e- it was so long ago what even was I know. the breaking news out of I know Tom it was like Tom. last weekend it wasn't even a week ago but like I'm like oh what was there was so much um <laughs> I also got to do the From a Certain Point of View Star Wars panel, which mm-hmm. was the, um, like, f- I think I talked about it last time, but the book is great. I read the book. It's great. The panel was great. I highly recommend it if you enjoyed the book. Um, they had, like, 19 of the authors there, which was really impressive. It's a lot. I mean, I spoke yeah. with, um, I interviewed Daniel Jose Older, who has a story in the yeah, book, and, and Zoraida Cordova, who has a story in the book. Uh, yeah. And so those interviews will be going up <laughs> soon. Yeah, same. I have an interview with E.K. Johnston, and that'll go up after I actually write the piece. Exactly. Which, <laughs> like, this once... week, we have both been trashed this week, because it's like post-Comic-Con, you're exhausted, but still have to like dive right back into work. Yeah, like Prithi real life work. took off work. Yeah, uh... Prithi took off work today, and I'm looking at her right now, and she's still in her pajamas. <laughs> In my great pajamas. I know. And, like, it's Friday, and I'm like, I'm only working a half day today because I just don't have the brain power. Like, I'm just so wrecked after Comic-Con. But aren't you guys glad that we decided to record today when we're both loopy as hell? I know. And we're both just like, I'm wrecked. Let's record a podcast. Awesome. Uh, That said, we do have a lot to talk about today. Okay, so Um, let's dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. So... Lots of big trailers this week. We're not going to kick off with the biggest trailer, um, but Uh it's been a minute since we discussed uh, any any Bollywood films, and there was a big Bollywood trailer that dropped this week. Uh, Sanjay Leela Bhansali, who we maybe have mentioned on the show before, is is kind of a prolific Indian director. Uh, He's done movies like Ram Leela, Devdas, Bajira Mastani, and he has a new trailer, um, Padmavati, that came out this week, uh, and it's starring Ranveer Singh, who we love, yep. Deepika Padukone, which 
who we love, love and her. Shahid Kapoor, who we also love. Here's the thing about I'm Sun- so mad at this trailer. <laughs> so here's the thing about Sanjay Leela Pansali is he is an incredible cinematographer. He's an incredible musician. Uh, he creates an aesthetic and a look for his films that are just so beautiful that you just want to so stylized. So stylized. You just want to eat it up. He and really, is, he's a good director too. Yeah, he's right? a good director. But he's a terrible storyteller. He's a terrible storyteller. And, so, and this would be like if Baz Luhrmann was a bad storyteller. Yes, that's a really good analogy. Take Baz, because, Baz Luhrmann and pretend, I mean, maybe you don't like his movies, but if you like his movies... I love his movies. So. Pretend like the stories were always bad. And then you get Sanjay Lula Pansali. Yeah. And this trailer looks, this movie looks so good. Yeah, so this movie is based on a legend. It's it's not necessarily... they. There's a lot of dispute about whether or not it's a true thing that happened. Um, in the 1300s, where there is a uh, king... Name. I'm trying to remember his name right now. There are a lot of, a lot of different. It's like names. a Rajput king. Right? Yes, Rajput king, uh, Rebel Ratan Singh, who's married to Deepika Padugan's character Rani Padmi- Padmini, um, and it's a war between these two men. So Ranveer Singh plays Alauddin Gilji, who is a Turkish, I believe, um, mogul, who lays siege to get. Badmini's hand in marriage. It's gonna be awful. Like the movie's not gonna be good. But you're gonna watch it anyway. But I'm gonna watch it anyway because it's gonna be beautiful. And I know the music's gonna be really good. The music's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be gorgeous. And I'm gonna see it. I mean, when we saw my when my sister and I saw Bajira Mastani, again, beautiful film. Ranveer Singh, Deepika, and Priyanka Chopra. And, at like, spoiler alert, if you're ever planning on seeing the movie, though I don't necessarily recommend no. it, you can just watch the songs, um, Ranveer and Deepika die at the end, and right before their death, or right as they were dying, my sister turned to me and went, finally. Because <laughs> you're just so ready to be out of the theater. Oh my god. That said, this movie looks gorgeous. I'm gonna see it. December 1st, and I will talk yes. about it on the show. I was going to say, I probably will not unless Preeti tells me it's really good. If I am surprised and this movie is good, I will be very excited. Yeah. And I will tell everybody good. to see it. Um, But yeah, it looks good. It, it I want looks it to be beautiful. good. And it's not, and I already, it makes me mad because I really want it to be good so badly. And it's not going to be say, good. Shahid Kapoor hasn't, I don't think has been in a Bansali movie yet. And he's, I like him. He's, you know, he's a good actor. He He's kind of done more, he, he has a tendency to overact sometimes, but it's fine because Bollywood can lend itself to that. Um, yeah. But absolutely check out the trailer. We'll put it in the show notes because yep. the costuming, the look of it, all of it is just beautiful and decadent. It's just stunning. And there's also, there's a lack of knowledge about, uh, historical films and, and and historical instances. Not this is not necessarily historical, but even what that that's like in yeah. uh, other countries in the West. So it's a good way to look at like at least the aesthetic of what you know. I can tell you what 
uh, European clothing looked like in the 1300s because I've seen so many, I mean, what my the idea is of what it looked like because I've seen so many movies and books and whatever. So this is a good way to like kind of broaden horizons a little bit. Sure. To look at period films from a different country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check it out. We'll put it yeah. in the in the notes. Uh, the other big trailer that dropped. Jeez, I can't even. Well, we we're not going to talk about Justice League, are we? I oh, just realized right. I forgot about Justice League dropped because that trailer yeah. was so boring. Yeah, I I, yeah, I I don't think we have anything to say about it. Other so. than um. It it's it just doesn't look that interesting. But I will say the shining the like highlights of the trailer were uh, Ezra Miller, um, yes. Gal Gadot, and Jason Momoa. Yeah, because there was a lightness there. It wasn't just like rrr, rrr, rrr. that was my Batman. Is, is that your Batman? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds kind of like Chewbacca. <laughs> What did we tell you? Loopy. Okay. Okay, so the other big trailer that dropped, though, is... Star Wars! Okay, so first, like, so I understand that some people don't even want to see this trailer. Um, I don't think it's super spoilery. I feel like there was stuff going around that was like, don't watch this trailer if you don't want to be spoiled. I don't think it was spoilery, especially because I think a lot of it was misdirection. Mm-hmm. I agree um, wholeheartedly. Um, but that being said, we will... We will... Um, you can... Fast forward starting now, and um, we'll put our the end timestamp in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what did you think? Okay. Let's start with what you thought, okay. and then we'll go through like a analysis of it. All right. So this trailer dropped during Monday Night Football. Again. I was I was like a ball of stress because tickets for the movie also went on sale. That evening, and I think all of us thought that the tickets would go on sale after the trailer came out, mm-hmm. but just in case, we're starting to, like, like I had the Fandango website loaded up on, like, Firefox, Chrome, and on my phone, and, like, yeah. getting movie tickets to a hot movie in New York is no fucking joke. Like, it's just so much anxiety when you're just, like, and I... And you were buying for a big group. And I was buying for, like, eight people. I'm never doing that again. Um, you're on your own. <laughs> Everyone who's coming with me next year. Uh, but, so, like, I, I, football's on the TV, which is, like, literally never happens in my house. And I'm in line, and the countdown's happening on, like, the browsers and the phone. And then about two minutes before the, um, I'm, like, in line for the thing to load, I realize that I've put all my eggs in one basket every browser is for the same theater and i was like what if there are too many people ahead of me and i've just and so um if you didn't buy tickets the way it worked is you could it's not like it wasn't like a normal buying process like like for force awakens you could select multiple theaters and stuff like that for this it was you select your one theater and then enter like a waiting room yeah to buy tickets at that theater it was really weird i mean i will say it was pretty well done because we didn't run into the same issues we had for Force Awakens, where everything just crashed and nothing worked. Yeah. But it, it was uh, it was stress-inducing, for well, sure. I don't know. Because I was lucky I had it up in three spaces, because my Firefox and my Chrome on my computer both crapped out. They were just like, mm. like, I selected seats, and then they both were like, nope. And then I had to go on my phone and was like, loaded it up. There are only three seats available, which like one on an aisle, like aisle seats, and then one in the back. 
And then mm-hmm. I just kept refreshing and I managed to get like seven or eight, however tickets I needed in like the second row. So I'm going to be seeing it real close to the screen. That's whatever. okay. Um, but then you're like so hyped up. And I was on the phone with my brother like complaining about it. And then the tra- I like hung up because the trailer started. And so like yeah. I already was like, ah. And then this is like we had just gotten back from New York, like right after New York Comic Con. So you're still kind of a brawl of stress from that. Oh, yeah. And then this trailer's dropping. And then the tickets, like I was not in a good mental place when I watched this trailer the first oh, time. I'll no. be honest. So like for me, my like I was not like I was just cranky and exhausted and stressed out not so much on tickets because I live in you know like 20 minutes outside of Philly and it's not hard to get tickets here but just more like I was tired and cranky and I did I will say I did not have the same reaction to this trailer as I did to the Force Awakens trailer like Force Awakens I feel like my my reaction was overwhelming excitement like, I was so excited. It looked, I was so, and I think part of that is because of who's doing the movies. Like, J.J. Abrams was all about the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like, he specifically with that trailer wanted to pull on those, like, like evoke those feelings. Like, oh, it's the Falcon. It's the Han and Leia theme. Look at them hugging. Like, oh, you know, these are all of our, like, familiar music. Like, oh, it's a Darth Vader helmet. Oh, my God. Like, it's, so, it's it's a light, Luke's light, like, yeah, yeah. Luke's yeah. lightsaber. So it was, there was a lot of that. This trailer, I was just like, I was like numb. I was like, I don't even know what, like, I thought it looked <laughs> really good. But like, I think what this trailer did for me is, and I'm really excited for the movie and I don't want it, anyone to think I'm saying I'm not. I just think this trailer made it clear how scared I am of this movie. Because I'm terrified of this movie. I will say I think I was just like really excited. Like I saw the trailer and I was just I was so ex- it was a lot it was so much emotion. I was like stressed. I think I think I was just my mind was like my mind was blown. Like I just couldn't even process it. And it's I, only in rewatching it since then that I've been like, "Oh my god, this looks incredible." Like my yeah. initial reaction was like, "I don't know what I just saw." My initial reaction was excitement and a lot of squeeing. Shout out to my brother who immediately called me back and went, "I'm not that excited." <laughs> I was like, shut up. And then I got more excited, like, out of spite. Um, yes, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, you don't know anything. But I think that it's after rewatch. I mean, let's be real. The first thing that happened after that trailer was like, I did the porg scream in my room like 30 times. Oh my times. God. Okay, okay. So let's, let's, should we go ahead and start talking about the actual yes, trailer? Let's do it. Okay. Um, let me, so, um, it starts with Kylo Ren kind of looking out on First Order, like a hangar, I guess, like a First Order ships or something going on. Yeah, I mean, clearly, it's, it's, I mean, our first shot is Kylo. Yeah, which is, which is, I, I think there's a really interesting discussion to have about him in this trailer, which we'll get to, but then there's a Snoke voiceover that says, when I found you, I saw raw, untamed power, and beyond that, something truly special, I Which mean, is I'm super interesting. Hundred percent sure that not hundred percent because I can't. That's garbage. Rewind. It's I am like only 80. a Sith deal in absolutes, Preeti. <laughs> so do Jedi because that's an absolute. <laughs> anyway, it. I am like pretty sure he's talking to Ray. I think that voiceover yeah. is to Ray, not to. Like I think to I will Kylo say, Ren. and we mentioned this, but I think there is a. T- 
ton of misdirection in this on purpose. Yes. Like, I think they're using voiceovers that are not for the characters that are voiceover. I think they're cutting together scenes. Like, and I think that's on purpose. And I think it's actually, I think it's really well done because it provokes a lot of questions. It does. But that being said, also, I agree. They When they came out, when the trailer dropped, they were like, don't watch it if you don't want to be spoiled. Which I think is another, like, sort of misdirection where I'm like, you guys are full of crap. Like, yeah, I don't... You're not going to put out a trailer two months before the most anticipated film of the year that spoils. The, there's one scene that arguably spoils, like, legit spoils something um, towards the end, and we'll get there. But, like, I don't think this gives away story. No, I don't think so either. Um, but I do agree. I'm not sh- I, I'm honestly not sure if it's Kylo or Ray that he's talking to. But because I think if it's Kylo, it makes the really interesting because um luke uses the same term to describe um kylo basically like it's just like they both have raw power associated with them well so kylo and ray we don't know that's the other thing so okay hold on um you know he's talking about that when when luke says the thing is i've seen this raw power before i actually mm-hmm. think he could be talking about anakin yeah, that's that's possible. Right? I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. It does right? now is what he says. Because uh, in the final fight in Jedi, Vader kills Palpatine, mm-hmm. not Luke. Or I he think... could even be yeah, he could even be referring to Snoke or Vader. He doesn't have to be referring to Kylo Ren. Right. I think we're supposed to I and this is the thing is like I think it's we're I think the trailer wants us to make assumptions, then I think the trailer also pushes us to to confront those assumptions yeah. about whether or not we truly think them. Because the initial reaction is like, of course he's talking about Kylo Ren. Right. Um, maybe not. But there's a lot of there's a lot of Kylo in this trailer. There's yes. a lot. Yes. And um Preeti and I have talked about this before between us, but we both think that this movie is setting up his redemption. Yeah, I don't think he'll be redeemed in this film, but I do think that this, I mean, it's the middle, the the second movie of a trilogy is always really tough because you need to balance enough hope, but with enough, like, open-ended conflict that you're not losing steam in the story. So I think this film will build us to the point at which Kylo is ready to be redeemed. Yeah. Like, when in that scene in the trailer when he's holding out a hand and it's cut like he's talking to Rey, I think he's holding out a hand for Leia. I, um, I don't think, because you can say, like, and they, they set this trailer up to make it seem like Rey's gonna go dark. And Which I is really, ridiculous. only a Sith deals in absolutes, but I really don't think that's gonna happen, because, like, they're parallel, like, this movie... A part of the whole thing with these movies is this is the cyclical, it's kind of a cycle of tragedy and redemption. Mm-hmm. And um, Luke and Ray are kind of analogs while um, Vader or Anakin and Kylo are kind of analogs, kind of. Um, and I don't, so I just don't think that Ray's going to go dark, I think. But I, at the same time, I don't think that they're going to wait until the end of the third movie to redeem Kylo Ren. I think it's going to happen sooner than that. That's I why I, I think his redemption, yeah. I think the last movie will be his redemption arc. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is frustrating, but 
and and I'm hoping that this film will be a departure now from the original trilogy because the force awakens as we've discussed was definitely a a way to to gain back our trust as star wars viewers after you know years of like not having it basically they had to give us something that we were like oh this is star wars this is the star wars i remember which is you know not mired in problematic storytelling but is just the film and the hope and the feel-goodness that we wanted from it. Now I'm hoping with this movie that there's going to be a departure from the original trilogy in a meaningful yeah. way. I don't want another Empire. I mean, it's I basically, don't... I love... Empire is my favorite movie, but I don't want it to just follow a formula. I would like it to start breaking off and doing its own thing. Yeah, and I actually I don't think they can because it's already different, right? The setup right. is already different, where you don't have... Going into Empire, as far as anyone was concerned, Vader was a bad guy. Yeah. Period. We already know that Kylo Ren has, you know, he has light in him, and he has a legacy of light behind him. Mm-hmm. We have so much more available to us in terms of story, and in terms... Of, yeah. and even for this series, because we've, we've seen... We have Leia's... Thanks to Claudia Gray, we now have like an under a deeper understanding of who Leia is and what that might mean for um, yeah for the new bu- for the new movies. Um, and so there's a battle with the resistance where he's in his tie and um, it looks like he's about to kill Leia. Total misdirection. Yeah, I don't think I really don't think that part of it is, and part of it is because. Like, part of, there's multiple reasons I think that. First, um, they always said after Carrie Fisher's death that Seven was supposed to be Han's movie, Eight was supposed to be Leia's movie, and Nine was supposed to be Leia's movie. Like, sorry. Eight was Luke's supposed to be movie, and then Nine Leia's. was supposed to be Leia's movie. And I don't think, like, they can't, they couldn't have done that if they were going to kill her off in Eight. And yes, they could have changed the plot, but I don't think they would. I don't, I don't think they would, and... I think they, for for Kylo Ren to murder both his parents, that's in, uh, un, that would be very hard to bring him back. That from. would be irredeemable, like hundred percent. And regardless of whether Rey is a Skywalker or not, the, the star mainline Star Wars movies have always been the saga of the Skywalkers. Yes, and Kylo Ren is a Skywalker, and yep. so it's going like I think his redemption is a foregone conclusion. I agree. Like, I don't think there's a mystery about whether he's going to be redeemed. I think it's just going to be how it happens and when it happens. And killing Han, I think, that's hard to come back from. But my argument would be that Han knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He was willing to sacrifice his life to bring his son back. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, But Leia, while I think she is willing to sa- like sacrifice herself to save Kylo, I don't think they would do that. Yeah, I agree. I actually think when Kylo's voiceover is happening and he's talking about killing the past, he's talking to Rey. Yeah, I agree. I think I think both of their voiceovers, where she says, um, something inside me has always been there, but now it's awake and I need help. I think both of those voiceovers are to each other. I think they're they're speaking to each other. Yeah. For those like and I think I think the whole thing is this whole movie is 
bringing them together in a way that they're equals. Because the last time they met, he was clearly the one in power, with mm-hmm. the power of, over the situation. And I think this is bringing them back together where either she's the one with power over the situation or um, they meet as equals. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, okay, can we just talk for a second about wh- how fucking good Mark Hamill is? Ah, like, he's it makes so me good. mad because he doesn't get enough credit for how genuinely great of an actor he is. I agree. Oh, it's so and he's upsetting. so good in this trailer. Like, he's only in, like, three scenes or something. But he says, you know, like, you can, like, when he says, you know, like, the way, the gravitas in his voice when he says, this is not going to go the way you think. Oh, mm. uh, like, I, it's like, it's just like, he's so, like, angry. And he's like, just. And scared. And like. Yeah, it's so Oh, good. and his face. He's so good. He's so good in this. I cannot wait for the. Oh, I can't wait for this movie. Like, I can't even think about seeing him in this because, like, it's, he's so, like. Mine, honestly, like I, I th- always thought he was a, I've always thought he's a good, a great actor, and I've, um, I don't think we have to explain to anybody about our no. affection for Luke, <laughs> but like, it, there's always the he hasn't played this character in how long? Like, I mm-hmm. mean, besides like you know the five ten seconds we got at the end of the Force Awakens, and he just, he just, I mean, judging from this trailer, he just knocks it out of the park. Honestly, like, oh my god. Seriously, he's so good. Um, but it does look like in this movie, Snoke and Ray are gonna meet. Oh, hundred percent. That I was the big don't think that. Th- yeah, that I don't him. think is misdirection. You see him in the background while she's being tortured. Yeah, like he's there. Yeah, like his yellow, like my nice, like mustard-colored robes. Very, very good <laughs> for for him. But like, yeah, no, he is like. That is, like, the one thing I do not think is misdirection in this trailer. No, I think Because I think a lot of the rest of it is. Yeah, that's a meeting. Um, Also, we have Finn fighting Phasma while, like, the Star Destroyer or whatever ship they're on is, like, going to shit. And I'm super psyched about that fight. And, like, my question with Finn is he's fighting with something that looks kind of like a lightsaber. No, he's fighting with the, um... Is he fighting with the baton, like, the... The thing vibr- that... Vibra thing blade that, thing? Yeah, thank you. That, you know what I mean. Um, but I still have questions on whether he's Force-sensitive. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Like, um, and then, let's see, Poe. Poe! Poe, who is, like, a leader in the Resistance and gives us, like... I know. The, like, you know, we want this movie... This movie is... You can't disconnect the fact that this movie is is giving us, like, the... The, the fodder and, and the energy, I think, of the Resistance that we need in real life. Um, yeah. And so that, like, will be the spark that will bring the First Order down or whatever the line is was just so, like... This stuff isn't like it's it's play acting and it's a it's a movie, but it also feels very real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Painfully real. Um, and so you look for for comfort and I guess understanding wherever you can, and that felt like it hit home, like really deeply. Um. Let's see. The porgs, Preeti. The porgs. Ah! I can't. I tried so hard to be able to make that sound, and I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I also can't do chewy sounds. Like, 
I have tried for years and I just can't do it. <laughs> you just want so badly to do it and I can't. And it's so cute. And it's like. I know. I watched, I literally rewound and watched that second, like two second scene over and over mm-hmm. and over because it's so cute. I know. It's so cute. I, I am, love him. I am, I am fine with being like the asshole who loved the Ewoks back in the day. Not that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did, I did like the Ewoks back in the day, but like people are like, oh, the Porgs are just like the Ewoks and it's annoying to put cute things in Star Wars. Like what? That's what Star Wars like, is. I know. You, um, sorry, but I you love can't the, have Star love, Wars without cute stuff. I know. I love the Porgs That's a different so movie. I love the like Porgs just so much. I know. I love that. I like want everything Porg now. I have a little stuffed Porg, but I discovered that the Disney store actually have a, has a cuter Porg than my Porg, so I need to go acquire that Porg. The cutest Porg is actually a Target Porg, but I think it came out after you bought your Target Porg, because I did a, mm. I looked at all the Porgs that were available. Okay. And the cutest Porg is a Target Porg that's very fuzzy. Oh, there's a fuzzy Target Porg? There's a fuzzy Target Porg, and it's adorable. Okay, I might have to go buy it. I have to re- get off, finish recording this podcast. So cute. <laughs> okay, fuzzy I Target Porg. Ordered it. Why didn't you order it? Because I spent a lot of money recently. Yeah, no, <laughs> same, same. When we were in I've been, New York like, for Comic Con. I know. When we were in New York for Comic Con, I took Preeti to like Sephora to like buy some makeup for her Jacob interview, um, and I bought like eight times more makeup than she did for absolutely no reason. <laughs> it's just that this is how I'm coping right now, and it's terrible, and I need to stop. But no, it's how I'm coping though. right now. Same. Um. um okay. So is there anything there was, we haven't talked about yet? Uh, there's no rose in this trailer. Yeah, that was disappointing. But I'm, I'm, but I'm sort of okay with it because I think they're really trying to hold secrets. Yeah, I think most of what we're getting is, um, I think most of what we're getting is, um, like, training scenes. Like, that's, that's the bulk, if you think about the teaser and the trailer, the bulk of what we've gotten is all tra- it's pretty much it's mostly training stuff which is glimpses and images of other stuff yeah like we didn't get anything from like laura dern's character yeah. either and i would even venture to say we're getting training stuff from probably the first like 15 to 20 minutes of the movie yeah i agree like i don't think i don't think we know anything about the like this is <laughs> this is not gonna go the way we think As Luke says. I know. Like, like I don't think, I don't, I, I think there's a, like I said, I think there's so much misdirection in this trailer. And I do think, like, even, like, the training scenes they're showing us are, like, even, like, some of those scenes we've already seen from the previous trailer. Yes. Like, it's sort of from the teaser. So, like, yeah, they're not showing us much. And I agree. I think, I wa- I'm glad we got to see glimpses, at least, of Poe and Finn, like, you know, in both teasers. But they are keeping their storylines very much under wraps. Like, the yeah. only thing we really know anything about is Ray and a little bit of Kylo Ren now. Yeah, and even that, we can second-guess everything. Yeah. Um, it'll... I, yeah, I don't think we know anything about this movie. Yeah. I think it's going to surprise... Uh, no. 
The only thing we know 100% for sure is that Luke Skywalker is the last Jedi because Ryan yes. Johnson said so on yes. Twitter. <laughs> and I, I will say, I, part of the reason I'm terrified of this movie is I'm afraid they're going to kill Luke. And I'm, I'm coming to terms with that happening, but I don't know that it's going to happen in this movie. I could see them waiting until the next one. I think it's going to happen because it makes se- storytelling sense. I would hope that they wouldn't fall back on that trope. I'm kind of ho- yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that they'll realize that they don't have to. Oh, and honestly, Mark oh. Hamill is so good for the franchise too. Just yeah, having they can't like get rid of him, and like, he's the last one. Uh, too. I know, but like, it's like he's the last one. They can't. Okay, know, wait. Don't. There is something I forgot to ask. Mm-hmm. When Ray is going into the cave to look at those books, do you think one of them is Obi Wan's journal? I wouldn't be surprised, right? Um, okay, so I have a question. Do you think when... Oh, we're getting... We're, we're starting the speculation. This is good. I, this is the part of it I love. Just, like, rewatching the trailer over and over again and Jeep chatting Preeti with... And we don't even say good morning or, like, hi. Like, in the first thing of the morning, like, there's no greeting. It's just, hey, in the trailer, do you think XYZ happens? Okay, so when she... Okay, so there's that scene where she kind of bursts up out of the water and Luke's sitting there. Yeah. Do you know... Do you think that's her version of, like, the Force Cave? Um... Like, what... Like, whatever she did under the water was, like, her force cave I don't think so, because Luke, I think, in that scene also has wet hair, and I think they both had to swim to get to that cave. I think that cave is where the books... No, how would he get the books into that cave? With, without them getting wet. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's there's something... Because that's right, because it's in that same scene, because he's got the wet hair, is when he says, this is not going to go the way you think. Well, And who's he talking to when he says that? Because I don't necessarily think he's talking to Ray, Because she doesn't know how this is going to go. I mean, I'm really hoping we're going to get a Luke and Leia reunion on screen. Yeah. Well, like, I hope he's not yelling at her like that. No, <laughs> if, no, I mean, no, no, That's no, no. not the reunion. Or maybe he is, and maybe they're having a, a twin Or maybe fight. I really want him to be yelling at, like, Obi, Obi and Yo, Yoda's force ghosts. Ugh. Wouldn't that be the biggest secret ever if they kept that under wraps, that yeah. Ewan McGregor was going to make a I would scene. cry. I would cry, honestly. I wonder if, if Dennis Lawson as Wedge is going to be in this. Oh, I don't know. Because I know we, I think we're pretty sure he survives to this point, and I can't remember why, but someone was saying something about him as a character in this kind of present timeline, and somebody like with some like knowledge of the situation, not just like some rando on Twitter. Um, but also, Dennis Lawson was at Celebration, and he has never been to a Star Wars. Con- he has always had disdain for Star Wars conventions and appearing at cons. And then he all of a sudden appeared at this like X-wing reunion. So either like, they threw a ton of mo- right, either they threw a ton of money at him, which is possible and probable, but it's also possible that he like cameos or is in this movie somehow. Especially because it does look like we're going to get more of the inner workings of the resistance with. Um, I always forget Amelin, Laura Dern's character. Amelin Haldo. Yeah, Amelin Haldo was her last name. Yeah. I know so. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. Okay, but also, when Luke, when, during the voiceover where Luke is saying, I've seen this raw strength, and 
it kind of flashes back to, oh, yeah, to the, the destruction of his academy. Why is he underneath rubble? I was always under the impression that he was, I mean, and this is, I was under my own impression. Nobody gave me this impression. But that he was kind of off planet when it happened and there was never a Kylo Luke showdown. Uh, I don't know. Because... I mean, it's also possible he was, like, walking through the ruins and stuff fell. Like, he didn't have to be there, but... Because I'm trying to remember that, that shot when Ray touches the lightsaber in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's all the, um, all that imagery, and part of that imagery is Kylo it's Ren just... walking with the people behind His, him. Yeah, but Luke, and then at the same time, like, it flashes to Luke just holding like putting his hand on r2 like he's sensing it oh no um, i think i assumed that that was just after but i don't know anyway so i wonder if there was ever a con my question is i guess was there ever a conference direct confrontation between I think the two there, of them there might have been because and i then think it was after. i think that's i don't know i don't know i have to think about this yeah I don't know either. I'm just asking. All right. Well, more to come. Okay. Well, um, yes. And we'll probably have like a, like, like weird down the rabbit hole talk with Swampton and Preeti like every month. It's <laughs> because true. Because we, we, we go down the rabbit hole on this stuff. That being said, okay. Um, just so you all know, we both have a pact. We did this, we did this last time too, mm-hmm. but we both have a pact that we're not going to watch anything else no. like or read anything we're done. else read anything else no more nothing else like it ends with the trailer so please don't tweet us with stories or you know news articles or new clips yeah. like anything like that like we're done that's is it this is it until the yeah. movie comes out this is as much so as we're just as we'll yeah. take yeah so we're going to pour over this and then probably the teaser again because i don't feel like i really got to these these debut after I'm really tired at conventions. Why? Why? I, they like know. I can't put because yeah. they know. I can't put my full like thinking and like weird analyzing powers behind them. But anyway, so oh, please don't wait, tweet there us. There was one too. I, <laughs> sorry guys. Um, this admittedly I saw this on Tumblr, but now I'm thinking about it. Someone did, like, a, not high-res, because you can't get high-res, really, from the YouTube trailer, but image of Luke's hand, the animatronic one, and it looks like it's still damaged from when he was in um, Return of the Jedi, and it got shot by one of Jabba's henchmen. Yep. Just saying. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that's, like, the thing where, like, Obi-Wan's Jedi cloak and a new hope has the yes. same like cuts on it. That, 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 like for some reason it makes me it's real it makes that makes me laugh so much. Um Okay, okay. That, that's really but, the last um, thing I said I wanted to say. Okay, so we're gonna switch gears now to Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. So um I made Preeti watch the first three episodes <laughs> of the show because okay so um I think I don't think it was out yet the last time we recorded so I'll just give a like a brief thing 
about it. Um, I really am enjoying the show. It's got issues. I'm really curious to see where they take it, but I think it's really well done so far. Um, and we'll talk about some of those issues and problems, but I generally I'm really enjoying it. I'm covering it for Sci-Fi Wire and recapping it every week. So if you want to know what I think, like you can definitely find my recaps over there. Um, but so if you aren't familiar with the with how the show is working, they broadcast the first episode um, of the show on TV on CBS and everything else is only available on CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming network. That's if you're in the U.S., if you're, if you're in Canada, it's on Space Network, and if you're anywhere else in the world, it's on Netflix, which is super annoying. But that all being said, um, I don't really want to talk about the structure of the streaming. Um, of, of It sucks. It's terrible. I hate that CBS is doing this. I wrote an entire article on Engadget that was basically ranting at CBS for doing this. That being said, I'm getting really tired of every time I try to talk about the show, like the merits of the show and the specifics, people tweeting me with... But I'm not watching it because, like, I get it. Don't tweet me. Tweet CBS. Like, <laughs> I, have no, I have no control over this. I get it. I understand your pain. Um, but don't tweet me. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> or us. Don't tweet us about it. Don't at like, me. <laughs> I know. Please. Just stop. I'm so tired of, like, dealing with people complaining about this to me. I get it. I agree. Um, if your question is, should – is it worth subscribing – um, Preeti and I are going to get into spoilery details. If you don't mind hearing spoilers, then you should absolutely listen to the um, rest of this. If you do and you still want to know, honestly, I cannot make that decision for you. As a Star Trek fan, I would say yes. I mean, I would. Uh, CPS gave me a complimentary account because I'm covering it, but I was willing. To, I was willing and going to pay for it. So, um, but that's your call. It's hard to say. I mean. Hard to make that decision for someone else. Okay, <laughs> all of that out of the way. No. What did you think, Preeti? Tell me, what did you think? Because you are not a huge Star Trek fan. I'm not a huge, I'm not like a follower. Like, I know it, I know the universe, I know, I know enough to know the characters that I've seen most of this. I've seen, like, episodes from most of the series. Um... I think maybe Voyager I haven't, but the rest I've seen, like, episodes here and there, you know? I liked it. Um, I agree with you in that you've said this before, that the third episode should have been the first one. Yeah. And the second, the first two episodes should have been told through flashback after we have context, because the first two episodes... Well, not my expectations were a little low because I'd seen what people were saying, which that it was uneven, it was the dialogue was rough, like it has good pearls, but it didn't quite necessarily get yes. there. So I liked them, but then the third episode is so much better that they kind of pale in comparison. Well, and like I feel like Sinequa doesn't, and part of this is the clunky dialogue they give her, but she doesn't quite feel at home in her character in the first two episodes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Michelle Yeoh carries those episodes. Like, she is just a revelation. She is so good in those episodes. And then she dies, and then you're like, oh, shit. Like, what's, like, what's going to happen? Because the person who was kind of carrying this show just died and everything else is uneven, but then they introduce all the new characters in the third episode. And Sonequa, like... At that point, the dialogue smooths out, and she is so good 
um, and everything just gets so much better. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think she was that bad in the first two episodes. I I don't think she was bad, but I just think there was a lot of unevenness in terms of, like, a lot of clunky dialogue for her. Right, I think a lot of it was writing. Like, I don't think it was her, like, not settling into the character. I think the writing hadn't gotten to where the character needed it to be. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of unevenness with the emotion versus logic. Oh, yeah. Like, so I think it was trying to figure out that relationship. Like, they, the writers, and I don't think it's even her. Like, I don't think it's her, but I think the writers hadn't yeah. figured out that relationship. And it gets so much better in the third episode. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see her being emotional, but it does inform her logic, like she says. Because in the first two episodes, it seems like she's saying she's logical, but she's just acting really emotionally. But she's not, right? Like, that's the whole thing, is that... What I understood to happen in those first two episodes was just a re it's it's the launch of the Klingon war with the Federation, right? right? Is that she thought she was being logical. Like she wasn't being emotional. Like I don't right. I don't think that it was her being emotional and then um pretending to be logical or written as being logical. Like I think that compared to how am I trying to say this? So, like, the whole thing where she was, like, she talked to uh, Sarek. Yeah. Right? She talked to yeah. Sarek about how the Vulcans made peace with the Klingons. Yeah. And then came out and was like, well, I have a plan. This is yeah. logic. And I, I totally agree with you. I think that the t- point she turns emotional is when she mutinies. And is just like, I'm trying to save, and she's like basically crying, and she's like, I'm trying to save you. That's what I'm thinking. Right, but I think that that is couched in this idea of like, she's like, I am taking the most logical course of action, and you are not allowing me to do so. Yeah. Which but does I think there's a lot really of human. emotion wrapped up in that, because she doesn't make it about saving the Federation. She no. makes it saving about yes. the captain and the crew. But I think that's actually her, right? Her whole character yeah. is that she's she's a human brought up with the Vulcans. And so she ideally yeah. would want to be logic only, but she literally can't because that's yeah. not her. And so to her, it is logic fueling her emotion. Yeah. Emotion fueling her logic. Thank you. Uh, but I think it goes both ways. Like right. she says my emotion fuels my logic to Sarek, but I think it goes both ways. Right. Um, or I don't remember the exact quotes, but it's like, I use my emotion for my law or yeah, whatever, whatever. the quote but is I, either way. Um, I think she is so good though. She's I think she so is good. We haven't even, we haven't even started seeing how good she is. I think mm-hmm. you start getting hints of it in the third episode and you haven't seen the fourth one yet that has aired, but, um, I feel like the first three episodes are kind of a nice clean arc because the first two episodes are like a TV movie, and then the third episode is like the first episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Because it just completely changes the game, and it's yeah. completely different. Um, what did you think about Jason Isaacs? Uh, it's funny, because like, I love him. I love him as an actor. I think he's like so good at being both evil and like you don't know if he's evil, and hiding that, hiding that seed of like uh, what's like unlawfulness, sort of. Yeah. Um, 
so having him and giving him like a slight southern twang was so good because I was not expecting it. I I thought he was British on the show. Um, he was really good. He was just a good foil for um, uh, Michael and yeah. you know this like whole thing that like you don't know what his uh, intentions intentions are. Yeah. And I think um, for the first time, we have a morally ambiguous captain. Yeah. On Star Trek, which is super interesting. I'm fascinated by his character. I love his character because I think it's going to be, we're going to be able to explore some stuff through him that we've never gotten the chance to explore on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's incredible. And I think um, Jason Isaacs, he plays Captain Gabriel Lorca. He, um, he is so good at playing that morally ambiguous gray area. He um, is. And it's going to be it's going to be really interesting too to see how Michael interacts with that given that he is very ruthless, I think. I think he has the right the right I, I think it's kind of the end justifies the means. Right. Like he I think wants his to ends win the are war. Right. I think his ends are absolutely right, but I think the means is where he's going to trip up. And Michael has also displayed a streak of that um, in the first two episodes, like with it, not so much the end justifies the means, but a kind of the logic um, kind of, I don't care about protocol. I don't care if I'm mutinying because right. the ends of saving the ship are... And so I think it's going to be interesting how those two interplay. Yeah, I agree. And then um, what did you think of Saru? I like Saru. I, I think it's an interesting conceit for a character. Um, I like the character design a lot. Yeah. I, I um, like that I... there are these relationships between these characters that are not, like, perfectly structured. Like, they're uneven yeah. because that's how relationships are. So it feels, and they're messy. And they're messy, right. They feel It feels like the most realistic way that you could write the relationship between these two characters. And I think a thing with Saru... First of all, I think the first two episodes did him a real disservice. And I think the third episode, he was so cute with his blueberries. I know, I like, loved it. Oh my god, he was adorable. But I didn't even think um, in the first two episodes he was bad. Like, I think that... I don't think he was bad. I think he just... I think, I mean, it's the same, I feel like I've made this, this, this criticism so many times. The dialogue was just really bad. Like, my species is prey. And, like, it's right. just, it was very clunky. Um, it, they tried to do, there's too much plot and exposition at the same time, and they ran into that, yeah. like, issues yeah. with those two headbutting. Um... But uh, I think they did, a, did do really well. I'm curious to see how they explore this in the future. Um, you don't like someone, but you respect them. Right. That seems to be their dynamic. And I hope maybe they'll get to like at some point. But right now it's, I don't really like you. I don't trust you, but I think you're a hell of an officer. Right. And you do a good, you like, you like, I, I don't trust your motives and I don't trust your actions, but I know you're very capable and smart. I mean, so honestly, I, I, I enjoyed the first two episodes for what they were. My biggest issue with the first two episodes were the extensive Klingon scenes. 
Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that because I haven't actually really had a chance to talk about this with anybody. Yeah, what did you think? I thought they were boring. I like, I just thought they were boring. Like, I could have gotten what they got, they gave us through like 15 Klingon scenes in like three. Yeah. And I agree. I think the Klingon scenes are really slow. I think they're ramping up to something, and I think they're going to get more interesting. But I... So, I... The idea is, they talked about this on the panel, is the Klingons have, in Star Trek have always stood in for the other. Right. Whatever that other is, at whatever given point in time, they're originally conceived to be Russians. Um during the Cold War, and then they kind of came to represent kind of race issues. And they've just always been an other. Mm-hmm. And so the idea with this series is what, and what they're trying to do is um, give the other a back, like flesh out the, make, for lack of a better term, to humanize the other. Right. Like, we're going to tell the story from both sides. My problem is it is really hard when your starting point is we want to unite the houses of our people to declare, to wipe out this the Federation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to... It's really hard for me to... This, like, I don't know. Like, it would be like, if, like, going back to Star Wars, if we didn't have the emotion, the, like, moral ambiguity of Kylo Ren, and instead it was, like, we're trying to tell the story of Rey and, like, like, Hux. And, like, yeah. like, it's just, like, you know, like, one wants to wipe out the other. There's not a lot. Right now, at least, there's not a lot of nuance. There's not a lot of, like, it's just, it. I'm not saying that, like, the Klingons are pure evil. They're not. But I, I don't, I'm curious to see how this goes. Because I'm not sure I'm ever going to truly embrace them given the setup of the series. Like, it's right. different when, it's different when it's, like, a cold war which you know it has been for much of the like you know for much of star trek on tv or you know allies like i absolutely is but it's very hard to get into your head the head of someone whose thing is i want to unite my entire people to wipe out the the people who were traditionally supposed to be rooting for right and that's gonna be tough i don't think i like the aesthetic of the Klingons. Yeah. I'm not... I was trying to figure out what that those sequences were making me think of. Because I was like, this reminds me of something else. Like, not the specific look, but just, like, the lighting and the, the clamoring and the way they set every sequence in the first few episodes of the Klingons up. And it's from David Tennant's first episode of Doctor Who, of The Christmas Invasion, when I've seen this and I'm thinking, and I'm like when, trying to think. It's the Sycorax. It's when the Sycorax are in this spaceship and they're all clamoring for getting to own Earth. And it was like that over again. And it was just yeah. like from this hokey sort of like, I love Doctor Who, but Doctor Who is camp, right? Doctor Who is like a little like silly and trying to make it uber serious in this Star Trek. So it, it was a disconnect for me because it, it all looked a little camp. And I think that something that adds to that feel is that they're speaking Klingon. And when it first was released that they were going to be, the Klingons were going to be speaking Klingon on the show instead of speaking English like they traditionally do, there was a lot of like 
joy because, oh, like, why would Klingon speak English? They're going to speak Klingon. But having watched a few episodes, it makes them seem, I think, slow. The Klingon scenes seem slower than they are because the, the language is such a difficult one. Like, the act of speaking the language it, itself, you can tell, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Because the sounds and stuff, like, the way your mouth moves, like, you can tell. And I think it makes the scenes seem slower than they are. Which right. Which I'm like, they're already a little bit slow. You don't need that addition. Right. Um, but that being said, I'm really curious. The You haven't seen it yet, but the fourth episode introduces, introduces some really interesting... First of all, it introduces a very prominent female Klingon character, which we don't usually get with Klingons. No. It's usually, like, there's there's iconic single females, like the Dura sisters and, you know, Gurkha from Deep Space Nine. Like, there's some, you know, iconic individual Klingon. I've just been using female as a noun. Oh, my God. Um, but, like, <laughs> women. There's some iconic Klingon wi- females. Iconic Klingon <laughs> women. But you don't just see them as, like, serving on a ship. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Right. Um, so now we get Laurel is her name. And she is going to be a major Klingon character. So I'm a lot. Once they introduced her, I was all of a sudden, A, a lot more interested. And B, the game changes for the Klingons. And they shift the story. And it all of a sudden got a lot more interesting. All right. So I'm, we'll I'm, see. We'll I'll see be looking forward to that. But in the first two yeah. episodes, it was very just. It was just a lot of time spent on something that could have been illustrated in less than half the time. Yeah. You know, it was like, this um, is just too much. Um, but the third episode was so interesting in the way they they completely changed the way the show was presented, which is really interesting to me. Like, there was so much horror in the in the third yeah. episode. Like, it was scary. It's a, like, and th- they are setting a dark... Okay, so they are setting a darker tone, but I think what they're more doing, and I think the thing with the show is because of the serialized storytelling, they can tell a darker story. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they can tell a longer, more involved, drawn-out story than they could if it was just episode of the week. And so I'm not saying by nature that's going to be darker, but they have the freedom to explore to be a little darker um but i don't think it's grim dark i don't think it's a like the 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 friendship between um uh sylvia michael and sylvia yeah Yeah. tilly it's super cute no that was very cute i think there's potential for cuteness i was just surprised at how scary it got i was not anticipating that from like a star trek tv show um, when we were watching, Ryan was like, wait, when did this become zombie track? <laughs> and I was like, uh, and then I had to like, well, actually there have been plenty of like, <laughs> scary Star Trek episodes. Have you seen the next generation episode Genesis? Because that is the scariest thing I think I've ever seen. And that's the only, I think the only Star Trek episode I've only ever seen once. Like Star Trek episode, not like. Star Trek The Next Generation episode. I think that's the only one I've ever seen once and I never want to watch it again. Uh. Basically, the crew of the Enterprise all devolves into, like, prehistoric creatures. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really just terrible. I, not, I don't like I'm that episode. I'm not going to watch that. Um, but, um, 
What did you think of Anthony Rapp? He was so good. It was so funny because, like, I'm so used to seeing him in his glasses. Like, Mm -hmm. that was like, I was like, oh, hello, sir. That's what your face looks like without glasses. But I thought he was really great, you know. he. It was a nice balance of, like, I'm so frustrated with this position and I'm going to take my anger out on you, but still being likable. Yeah. Because he's not, like, I don't think we're supposed to hate him. Um, Yeah. They made him human enough that you would understand where he was coming from. Um. And he played gay well. Like, he did that. He walked that line. Like, like he was very professional, but, like, in that scene where he's, like, talking to someone on the monitor. I That was really cute. Yeah, and he, like, kind of, like, he kind of, and it was just, it was so subtle and so well done. I was, like, I really hope that, like, you know, gay people who haven't seen themselves represented in this show like, like at Star Trek, he's the first openly gay character, I, regular character on Star Trek. I do hope that they make it more explicit, though, because oh no, he has a boyfriend that's introduced in the fourth episode. Okay, good, because like in this yeah, episode, no, he like was a like my friend, and I was like, like your friend in like quotes. No, You're... no, no. They so like the fourth episode introduces um, I can't remember his name. The Doctor Wilson is played by Wilson Cruz. Yay! Who is also. Yeah, and he's he looks so good in like his like medical whites. <laughs> and they don't they haven't made it like they haven't made it explicit in terms of like they haven't had a re- conversation about their relationship. Mm-hmm. But that is the like that is they are the couple. Like they are the romantic interests for one another like so they're not they've been very very clear and explicit about that, which is refreshing honestly Thank and it's God. honestly refreshing that one of them is a person of color yes it's it's and it's it's multiple gay people on one show like yes that doesn't happen but i like it yeah exactly and so it's like not in genre anyway yeah i know and so i'm i'm i don't know i'm really i'm excited and um i'm i'm excited about the representation on this show i would like more women of color yep um, Rekha Sharma is really good mm-hmm. in this episode, but um, just generally speaking, um, more women of color would be great because, oh, I guess we should talk about the big, like, Michelle Yeoh dying. How did you feel about that? So you, I thought, I, I got spoiled yeah. when we were at Comic-Con. I was there. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. No, but... it wasn't something. It was someone else. Um, so I knew it was coming, which I think I was like, oh, I mean, it makes sense. I'm not surprised yeah. um, because... It's the hero myth. She couldn't move on while the teacher still was there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It is what it is. And I, I agree. And I don't, like, there's a lot of people who feel, and I'm not going to say, tell someone how they feel is invalid or wrong, but there's a lot of people who feel that they were kind of, that Star Trek was sold, this new show was sold to them as mm-hmm. one uh, as one way with two women of color. And they got, like, bait and switched. I mean, and I, I think that's fair. I don't, <laughs> I don't agree. Um, I always knew, I mean, I think I even mentioned it on the podcast, like, six months ago. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to die. And I, like, I feel like that was I don't know I always felt like it was pretty obvious that was going to happen because how can you have like this recurring the structure didn't make sense with her alive I guess I'll put it that way like because what we knew about it going in 
was that Michael was on the Discovery under Captain Lorca. Mm-hmm. She had previously served under um, Captain Giorgio. I was like, why am I? Uh, Captain Giorgio and um, now and and now is under Lorca and like so it just it made sense to me like okay well the previous captain's gonna die and then she's going to get tra- the like that's going to be the structure and I always thought that so it was not a surprise and I don't ha- knowing that as I did and watching their mar- like not knowing it because you can't know that but I was pretty sure that was gonna happen and watching their marketing I don't feel like they did sell it that way but that being said like everyone has a right to feel how they feel and there's a lot of people who tuned into the show because they thought it was going to be one thing right and it wasn't i mean i think I especially that i wasn't really paying attention to the marketing i wasn't really yeah. paying attention to anything but i did know that it was michelle yo and um Sinequa... what's her martin last green name? thanks martin green um so if I had been a fan, if I had been someone who was just tuning in to see because yeah. I had heard that there were two women of color on it, I can imagine being angry when one of them died. Yeah, and I, I can as well. And I think also part of it is just being a Star Trek fan and knowing how the show works. Star Trek is never about two ships. Right. It's never about two captains. And the name of the show is the name of the new ship. Right. So, like, no, I think part of my, like, just know, just instinctively knowing that came from my, I know how Star Trek works. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, there's not going to be two ships. There's not going to be two captains. Like, that's not the way the show works. So, yeah, I think part of it was just kind of an unconscious, and I, it's just kind of an unconscious thing where I'm familiar enough with this universe to where I know how it goes. Right. Which other, like, and so if you're new coming into this universe, then that's fair. Like, it's fair that you would think that, oh, this is going to be a show about these two women. And, and then it not. wasn't. That being said, um, she is going to be back. Yeah, I, saw, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, she actually made a surprise appearance at the New York Comic Con panel. And it was adorable. And she is adorable. And, um, <laughs> um, like, the, she, like, threatened uh, Jason Isaacs. It was like, you better take care of my girl. Aww. Like, was super cute. But anyway, the producers confirmed, like, she will be back. Don't worry. Which I'm glad because I do I, I I wrote a piece on on fangirls after like after the episode aired with her death about how I felt watching it as a woman of color and feeling conflicted because I understood why it had to happen and I under, I, I knew going in that it would happen but as a woman of color I am sad that it happened because I wanted to see this right. dynamic grow and I wanted this to be the case. I mean, overall, I think the show has a lot of potential. Um, I'm probably going to keep watching it, which is funny because I'm, like, not a Star Trek person. I was going to say, I thought this was going to be, like, a fandom swap where you were going to be like, oh, okay, it's fine. Like, I'm glad you like it. But, I mean, we can use it as a fandom swap anyway. Like, you can tell me what to watch next time. But because, like, literally, I haven't buggy previewed. Like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? I know as I watched it. Don't worry, we are going to have a swap. I just have to figure out what I want yeah. to watch next. There's too many, the problem is that there are too many things she wants me to watch. There are! There and are like every time it things. comes up, she's just like, I want you to watch The Dark Crystal. I want you to watch Teen Wolf. I want you to watch, what else has been there, Ben? I don't even know. So like, many. Like there's been so, so you think you could dance. There's yes! Been so, I want you to watch Merlin. Like, and like, she just can't decide. I can't. I'll decide. I'll decide. That'll be great. 
yeah. all right any last thoughts i feel like we should start wrapping it up we're over an hour oh yeah um no, I think that's good. Um, I really like this show. If you, like, I'm still recapping it on Sci-Fi Wire. They'll go up kind of sa- Sunday night, Monday morning, depending on timing. Um, but, uh, so you can follow me over there. You can tweet me about it. Don't tweet me. Don't tweet me about the format. <laughs> Please, God, do not tweet care. me about it. I don't know. Like, I do, like, I feel bad saying it. But, like, I wrote this article on Engadget that kind of went viral and I had literally hundreds of people for over a course of a week tweeting me about, like, how, and I'm like, I understand. Like, every time I tried to talk about the show and, like, specifics about the show that had nothing to do with the way it was being distributed, I had, like, three or four people every single time responding to, like, every tweet with, um, well, I'm not watching. Okay, that's tweet CBS, not me. I cannot help like, you. I can't help you. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's talk about things we're both into. What are you into right now? <laughs> so I'm giggling because, because what I'm into right now is into right now a series of series of paranormal novels. They're called The Immortals After Dark series by Cressley Cole. There are 19 of them. Uh, Whoa! I'm not reading them all because I just I don't have time to read them all, but. Uh, Sarah McLean, who is an amazing romance writer in her own right, uh, got me yeah. turned on to this series, which with like the most amazing sequence of text messages I've ever got, which she basically described the first chapter of the first book to me in which a werewolf who is being kept prisoner under the streets of the Champs-Élysées in Paris sends his mate up above him and like chews his own leg off to go after it's not gross though i mean it's gross but like it's not like described in a gross way it's not like i was gonna say it's not like seeing it no it's not like seeing it um and so the series basically covers every single immortal like supernatural thing you can think of uh and so sarah asked me a sequence of yes or no questions and pulled out five of the series for me to read um but there are werewolves succubi demons vampires do you have to read them like are they like standalone stories in the same universe or sort of like like, do you have to read all like you're saying you're only reading a few of them yeah and they're bouncing around i feel like they like like you'll get more from the story if you read all of them but like you don't have to read all of them okay um but they're really fun so the first book is called a hunger like no other and it's about a werewolf who falls in love with a half Valkyrie, half Valkyrie, whatever. Half Valkyrie, half vampire. <laughs> it's so good. And now I'm reading, um, I've, I've forgotten the name of the one that I'm reading right now, but it's about the werewolf from the first one, who's a Scottish werewolf named Lachlan. Uh, his friend Bowen, who falls for a witch. Much to his chagrin, because the witches are like mercenaries in this universe. It's oh so good. God. So it's called The Immortals After Dark. It is romance, so you have to be ready for like sexy times, because there are sexy times, which I've learned that I cannot read these books on the train because I get too like embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> my face oh my gets like God. really red. <laughs> oh my God. And they're by Cressley Cole. K R E S L E Y, right? Yeah. C-O-L-E. So if you're into, like, paranormal or romance, like, 
Or maybe if you want to test it, check it out. It's fun. My face is so red. Your face is, yeah, she's like fanning herself right now. It's really great. <laughs> and now uh, for something completely different. <laughs> okay, yes, I am into right now i bought a nintendo switch kind of on a whim i mentioned that i was spending way too much money this is part of that um like a few weeks ago now maybe it was a month ago i don't know preeti's been getting like random texts from the land of hyrule like i'll just like i'll i'll randomly be like because i've been playing you know breath of the wild the new zelda game and it is so good and I wrote about this for fangirls. The piece isn't up yet, but hopefully it will be soon. Um, about like how it's really actually helping with my anxiety because it's structured enough, and there are enough milestones. But like I'm completely in control and can choose what I want to do because like if it's too open world, there's like well what do I do? And you're kind of like paralyzed by indecision. But it's like there's enough to do to where you could just kind of find something. And like I'm like okay, like right now I'm working on like buying a house. And that's the thing I'm working on. And then I'll find something else to work on. And it's, it's, I love it. It's really well done. Like, it's I just, just, I can't. It's so funny because, like, I'm still playing the game. Like, I've, I've made this game last as long as I possibly can. Like, I'm, now I've just stopped with the storyline completely and I'm trying to find all the shrines. But it's still funny to me that we are doing the same game, but in different, or, like, I waited a really long time to buy the house. Like, I, I want the house now. The house. Yeah, I just bought it, like, maybe two months ago. Which is, like, after I'd been playing the game for five months. Five months. This game is so good. This is the best video game I've ever played in my life. Yeah, same. And I'm really bad at video games, but I really enjoy them. I'm bad at first-person shooters. I'm bad at anything that requires more than, like, bashing, like, one button to fight. Because my hand-eye coordination is really bad, and I can't... When I get, like... When I, like, panic when enemies are coming at me, I can't remember, like, you know, press this and this and this and this to do this. Like, I can't remember that. So the combat in this is relatively simple. Like, it's not, you know, and I love it. I don't know. It's so good. Best game ever. Best game ever made. Putting it out there. Okay, so let's wrap up. Okay, so um, as a reminder, we're part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network, which is run by Keith Chow at the Nerds of Color. So today we're going to plug the uh, one of our fellow podcasts called we Are, We're Not All Ninjas, which I love that name. Yeah. It's, a po- it's a movie review podcast which focuses on American Asian-American representation in Hollywood, hosted by Melissa Slaughter, Rachel Liu, and Alex Chester. Uh, we've also partnered with the Harry Potter Alliance on the Granger, Granger Leadership Academy. Um, more to come on that, but we will be giving away two passes. So definitely stay tuned to our Twitter feed at Daisy Geek Girls because that's where that information will be coming out soonish. Yeah, um, it, it'll be in March I'm in Tucson, Arizona. And so, yeah, we'll be giving away two pa- passes probably to, I don't know, young Daisy like person somewhere in that area because we cannot provide transportation or lodging sadly but so yes keep keep an eye on our twitter feed um patreon and then patreon yep uh so we want to say thank you to i ben and very smelly at the ten dollar level and sam jordan annie megan claire and brian at the five dollar level uh you can find our patreon at patreon.com slash we do have some ten dollar spots open if you would like us to watch anything um reminder that we'll do a movie or we will do three episodes of an hour-long tv show or six episodes of a 20 minute 
TV show um, around that, depending upon arcs or storylines or whatever. Um, But yeah, so check out our Patreon. You can also, again, follow us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. If you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. Um, Yes. And we'll... We have a very special guest for our next podcast episode, which will be Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah! Um, discussing Return of the Jedi at the end of October, and that is... Nikesh da, da, da. Yes. So Nikesh Shukla, who uh, is an editor and writer over in, in, in the UK, so the timing is going to be fun on this one. Um, yep. Also a huge nerd. Also, he his uh, collection that he edited um, has... Oh my god, why am I like... The Good good Immigrant. immigrant. Thank you. The Good Immigrant is a collection of essays um, by British writers who identify as black, Muslim, Asian, um, trying to... There's... BAME is what they call them in England, and I can't remember... And English, I guess. I can't really remember what E stands for. That's so bad. Uh, But the the collection of essays is amazing. There's one by Riz Ahmed in it. Uh, Highly, highly, highly recommend picking it up. Yeah, you could buy it from, like, um, Amazon.co.uk. You can buy it from, like, the Book Depository, which will ship to the U.S. It's not available here, sadly, but... Hopefully soon, because it is so important. And I believe he's doing a second volume? Yes. So. So, more to come, but he will be on the show uh, in the next... In in two weeks from now, when we we talk about Return of the Jedi. Uh, In the meantime, find us on Twitter. I am at RunWithSkizzers. I am at S. Krishna. And we'll see you in hell! We'll see you in hell!